The following audio is brought to you by Emmanuel Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. More information about our church can be found at emmanueltuscaloosa.org. I can, I don't know what every church is teaching on, on any given morning. <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put money down that we're the only ones talking about UFOs this morning. Uh, so... Uh, maybe that makes me crazy. I don't know. Uh, but we're going to find out, I think, a little bit this morning. So uh, the topic is you have in front of you, if you, don't have a, if you didn't get a packet on your way in, I would suggest you doing so. Um, we're going to be discussing uh, UFOs and the occult. Um, and let's, you know what? It'd be a good idea to just pray before we do this. But <laughs> Heavenly Father, we are grateful uh, for anything we're able to study and think deeply about, uh, particularly as we filter everything through the lens of the gospel. And um, as we train our minds to think about topics, not merely in how they present themselves to the outside world, but what um, they're really saying, and think about them from a Christian perspective, I pray that you give us help in doing that. Um, I know there are many who don't know what to think about the topic that's in front of us and don't know what to do with all the news stories and things like that that are coming up all the time. And so I pray that we would be able to talk about some of that honestly and openly and, and deal with it um, from a biblical worldview. And I pray that also we would be able to expose perhaps some of the um, deeper and darker things underneath it that um, that is being used to... Um, divide and to lead people falsely. So I pray that you would give us help in doing that, whether we're thinking about this topic or, or any other, that we would be able to filter it through the lens of the gospel and see it truly for what it is. Um, so give us help this morning. Um, allow us, as we study these kinds of things, to uh, be drawn into a deeper relationship with you. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm, I don't think that I'm the only one who has browsed the internet over the last, I don't know how long it's been, several years, and seen reports uh, all the time of these things flying in the air, or and pilots that are seeing things as, you know, recorded on their radars and things like this, and going on podcasts and different shows, and then now... Congress has basically just sort of came out with, hey, this treasure trove of things that from, you know, history past that we have seen and heard and we have no idea what they are and, um, and these kinds of things. And, and I'm, I'm probably not the only one who has been at least, not only whose interest has been piqued by it, but who has probably sat and thought, what would I say about this thing, right? What, what is this exactly that I'm looking at? How do I explain it? And if, you if I encounter people who are really enmeshed in all of this uh, UFO stuff, what would I say to them? If somebody asks me, all right, if aliens are real, if an alien landed on the planet and walked out of a spacecraft, all right, crazy scenario that we see only in the movies, if that happened, what does it say about the Bible? Is it still, is it still real? Is it still authentic? Is, what, what, does it, what does it mean if that happens? Um, and maybe 10 years ago, you'd probably think to yourself, well, it'll never happen, right? <laughs> and now, it, I mean, still, I would say it'll never happen. But even, you know, with some of the stuff going on, you kind of have to go, well, I mean, we have to at least engage it now on the ground of possibility, Right? And at least be able to converse with somebody who might really believe, or fear even, that that would come about. Um, and so it requires us to kind of think deeply about it. And I think as Christians, too, uh, most topics, we should, or all topics, really, we shouldn't be afraid to discuss. Um, I, I, for one, am a proponent of the Christian being an academic. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to go get degrees and things like that. It doesn't mean that you have to do that or, or whatever, but I think it does mean that we have to seriously engage people 
uh, where they are and really think deeply about topics even if they seem on the surface to be crazy or whatever. Uh, let's really dive into it and re- let's, really, let's really look at it. And, um, and I think we want to do that today and because I, I think that there is, there, this, and this one's really difficult, honestly. I, I, found a real, I found it really difficult to actually prepare for this. Because I could probably stand up and talk about all the things that I've heard and, and discuss from a Christian worldview, a lot of things. But as we're preparing to kind of go through it in a linear fashion, I found it really challenging because this topic has a lot of different avenues that you could actually go down. And no doubt I'm not going to be able to cover every aspect of it. I guarantee that. But, but really what I want to do is just give us a lens to look through, kind of a frame of reference. And really how, if you engage this topic in the future, what, what sort of things you need to be thinking about and asking of the material that's presented before you, whether that's some congressional hearing where a person is sitting there going, here's what we found, here's what we've seen, here's these kind of thing. Or you see some journalist down in Mexico presenting a, a, a little mummy or whatever that was. I was told today that it was actually a cake. <laughs> turns out, <laughs> I don't know, but he's presenting this, and all the you know journalists are taking pictures of this. Some of you look at me like you haven't seen this. Is this new to you? Okay, so a couple of weeks ago, a week ago, maybe a journalist. Is it a journalist? You may know. Was it a journalist? You remember so- somebody, scientist, journalist, archaeologist, something like that, presented before the media two mummified alien statues. I'm going to put quotes around it because I don't know what this thing really is, but. Two mummified alien somethings, bodies that were buried in Peru somewhere that they found, thousand years old or something like that, and they're like that tall. So not nearly, fear, <laughs> it doesn't strike fear into your heart, I don't think. They were like pretty small, and um, he presented these, you know, to the world, and they, everybody's taking photographs of it, and it's going around the internet of like, here it is, and they supposedly had done testing on this kind of thing and found DNA evidence that's 26% unknown or something like this, right? Uh, Now, it will shock you to find out that this guy has been known for hoaxes in the past. That's going to, I know everybody's going, what? That's crazy. I didn't think that. Yeah, so, you know, when when things like this happen and, and, and stuff like, how do we as Christians just think through it and actually deal with people who, who really are, one, buying into it and, and, uh, and really deal with it on the merits. So let's think about that for just a little bit today. Um, and maybe for some of you, this will go exactly the way you think it will, and maybe, maybe it'll, I don't know, catch you off guard, maybe. Um, many consider the beginning of, of modern interest in the phenomena uh, of UFOs and things like that, um, with a sighting reported by Kenneth Arnold on June 24th, 1947. He was a pilot and a Washington businessman who saw nine airborne objects near Mount Rainier that were boomerang-shaped and traveling at an estimated 1,200 miles per hour. Part of where this um, topic has gained so much traction is that the people that are reporting having seen some of these things, are credible people. That's part, of, that's part of what causes it to gain traction. We tend to think when we get on board an aircraft going from Dallas or Birmingham to New York or something like that, that the person in the pilot's chair is a competent, level-headed, thoughtful person who knows how to fly a Boeing 747 so must have some sort of intelligence and education, and he is a professional in his trade. And we trust him to take 350 passengers from the ground of Birmingham to the ground of New York safely. And so when this guy says, yeah, we were up there in the middle of the air near Mount Rainier, and I saw nine objects that were boomerang-shaped, it tends to lend a little bit of credibility. You don't want to think that he is just lying to you, that he's a known liar. 
Um, Arnold's story was told to the newspapers, newspaper reporters uh, the following day, and the term flying saucers came about. This isn't all going to be about this stuff. Just bear with me for a second. So, uh, 1940s, we have a report of some airborne objects. The term flying saucer is coined, but his description of it is more like a wing. It's more like a, you know, kind of a boomerang-shaped wing that's sort of flying through the air. There's nine of them. And, and I think probably now, over the course of the next, you know, however long it's been since 1947, um, we have probably all seen videos like this or some, something in the air that we're going, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know how to explain that, uh, other than to say it's probably just a hoax, right? <laughs> I can't believe my lying eyes. Um, now, what's happened recently, which has been probably up the level of concern more than just these like reportings from pilots and things like this, is not only the videos that we've seen, but other pilots coming out and reporting things like this. And now the U.S. government and other governments are now starting to hold hearings and disclose previously classified documents that, uh, and along with that, photos and videos of numerous encounters that they call now unidentified anomalous phenomena. And at first, I'm probably like you, when I heard the change in terms, I was like, okay, there's some funny business going on here. What is, what is this funny business? But the more you kind of think about it, the more it makes a little bit of sense. Previously, they were called UFOs, unidentified flying objects. The problem with that description, of course, is they have no visible means of propulsion. So you're watching these things up in the air, and they, they seem to turn on a dime and go the opposite direction. They fly, they cruise through the air at unreal speeds that we've never seen before. They don't have any kind of engine that you can, you know, see on it. And so to say it's flying is probably not the best description. Uh, we certainly don't know what it is, so it is unidentified. It is not obeying the normal laws of physics that we know, uh, so it is anomalous, and it is a phenomenon. We, do, we have no idea what it is. So it's a clever way of saying, I don't know what this thing is, but I saw it, basically is a, a general description. So that's kind of, right now, that's at least where we are in our culture, is we've got these things that people have documented and seen, and they are reporting them, and governments the world over are saying, we've seen them too, and we have no idea what they are. At least that's what's being said, okay? Any, everybody good with that? That's basically where we're at, okay. So for the Christian, there are multiple uh, levels to this discussion that we've kind of got to at least think through. The first is... Uh, going to be probably pretty short and simple. What is this? Um, the second is, should we be concerned about it? As Christians, should we be concerned about it? And let's go to the, just the most absurd conclusion, perhaps, that you might be thinking right now. If this is extraterrestrial, in other words, this is not, let's say, say earthly in nature, does the Christian worldview can it account for that kind of thing? So back to the question that your friend might pose to you that's maybe not a Christian. It says, look, what if, you know, Steven Spielberg movie was reality and all of a sudden something landed and somebody walked out of this craft of some kind? What would you do as a Christian? Would you go, ah, I'm not a Christian anymore. What would you, what would you, what would you say? To that and, and does the Christian worldview account for it, which I think is is not a not a um, insignificant question. Um, so, when it comes to what is this, I, I think we have to think on a, on a, a, a about a couple of things. First of all, it has to be acknowledged that some of these could be governmental technologies that we don't know, and that we won't know, and that. You know, most people won't tell us, and we won't find out in a hearing, things like that, and they're going on behind closed doors, and we have no idea what they are, but they're flying around up there in the skies, and, and they're never going to tell you that that's what's going on, and they're always going to deny it, deny it, deny it, okay? So, 
That, that at least probably covers some of what's going on up there. I don't know how much, but perhaps some of it. Additionally, other instances might be the result of things like camera artifacts. That, that would be like, a, you know, if a camera films something, that you could have things inside the camera, uh, dust and things like that, that kind of look bigger on, this, on the lens than what they really are. Or perhaps some artifacts that are outside the camera, a fly crawls across the lens or something like that. They could be a, the product of hallucinations, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, radar malfunction, hoaxes, um, and maybe even just, you know, various other things that might, might explain it. In other words, it's not what it appears. Your, your eye is deceiving you because of a number of different things. Somebody, that's actually, the, uh, this happened actually in the 50s. The bottom of a desk lamp that you know looks like a UFO. If you take it, take it at the right angle, and you can fool a lot of people, and you can put it in Time magazine and things like that. Um, and the fact that some of these, you know, photos and things like that that are coming out are grainy or blurry, you kind of put it in the category of Bigfoot, right? It's like that doesn't really give me a whole lot of confidence that what you're saying is true. Um, there was a, a video, and this was kind of the one that more recently sparked lots of controversy, was uh, a guy by the name of Commander Fravor. Uh, I don't know if that name rings a bell to any of you. He, he was a pilot uh, in the Navy, and he has this video, and well, that was actually released by the government, and then he kind of picked up scene because he was the pilot in question. Um, but this video of this sort of kill-shaped object that is traveling, and he said it was, it was rather large in size, and, you know, on the, on the video, it's like a, a radar screen. It's not a, he's not taking a video out of his cockpit, right? He's, it's a video that's captured on, the, on board, on the F-16 or whatever it was. And this little pill-shaped thing is flying against the wind, and it's going at crazy speeds, speeds that no one can achieve, that at least we know of. And then it just turns on a dime and starts going back the opposite way. And, and he and the other pilot that are up there looking at this thing, they were sent to look at it because uh, everybody was seeing it pop up on their radars, and they were sent to look at it, and they're like, yeah, there's really something there. This is not just a radar malfunction, you know. And they're, they're watching this thing do its thing, and, and they're going, what is that? I have no, I've never seen anything like this before in my life, and these are pilots. And... And then all of a sudden, there's, I, I learned this, I didn't know this before, but uh, there's something on board a uh, F-16 or fighter pilot or fighter jet that's called a cat point, which is basically, it's kind of, um, it's a software inside the, the plane that basically tells the jet, I guess, where they need to go. It tells their coordinates where they need to go, and, and that is, um, what, what do you call, it? is uh, encrypted. So no one else can see that. Only the pilot that's in there working with the actual equipment can see that. And so they're flying, and they're, they're looking at this thing, and then all of a sudden it just disappears. And they see it pop up a second later, miles away, at the cat point, the point where they were supposed to go in their plane. That can cause some concern, right? <laughs> if, you're, if you're a fighter pilot and you're up there and your job is to shoot things down out of the sky that are threats and you see something that can read your stuff that's supposed to be encrypted and, and perhaps end up at that location, well, it's concerning. I mean, right? You're going to be a little bit unnerved by that kind of thing. And, um, and so, you know, th there was that that popped up. And, but for us, the regular Joe, we're, we're watching this on the screen and we're seeing this kind of grainy, blurry image that we can't tell how big, but it, on the screen it looks, it looks the end of your pinky that big and it's shaped like a tic-tac. You're like, well, who really cares? You know, but for a fighter pilot who's up there in the sky who sees it much bigger with his own naked eye and then all of a sudden it's doing things, he's naturally a little bit more concerned, okay? So um, it, it may not do much for our, our confidence, but um, but for many that are experiencing this, it, it does disturb them a little bit. We have to acknowledge that at least a little bit. Now, if those two things are ruled out, so like let's say those two things are eliminate, let's eliminate all the sightings that are, one, governmental projects, things like that, actual, you know, objects that we're just not being told about, okay, and, and then let's also eliminate all the hoaxes and all the, you know, 
things that are otherwise explained, uh, grainy, you know, artifacts and things like that in lenses and things like that. If we eliminate all those, what are we left with? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea what we're left with. But if there remains any sightings outside of those categories, then we would have to say it's possible, however remote, that these craft could be of non-human origin. What does that mean? Does that mean that the planet Xenu, there's a green guy who's flying here, and somehow they can fly across galaxies, and then they get here and they crash? You know, like, <laughs> you mean to tell me? Anyway, uh, another topic. But, but we have to at least acknowledge, okay, let's say it's possible that there could be something flying around the skies that is of non-human origin. Wh what do we do with that? How do we explain it? And should we be concerned about it? Well, we can suspend our judgment regarding the sightings. So, so that's one aspect of it, is there are things flying around in the sky that people are concerned about, and they don't know really what to think about them. So we're going to have to say, all right, possibly. If we remove the government stuff, because I don't know anything about that, and if we remove the hoaxes and things like that, then what's left, sure, there could be something flying around in our sky that I don't know how to explain. But the question then is, should I be concerned about it? And so, if we can suspend our judgment on the actual sightings, um, the truthfulness of the sightings and, and, and the explanation of the sightings, as Christians, we can't ignore that there's another aspect of this that is far more concerning. And that is the spiritual phenomena that often surrounds the experience. This is the part, so I wouldn't even talk about this or think it's really worth talking about at all if it was just a bunch of reports of sightings. The mistake that I think we could make as Christians is thinking that the topic of UFOs, UAPs, whatever you want to call them, is simply about sightings in the sky. It's not. It is very much an occultic practice that's beginning to form and has been forming for some time, underneath all of these sightings. This is quickly becoming a religion in its own right. And that's where we as Christians should be very concerned. Because people are not just seeing these things in the sky, they're wanting to communicate with these things. And they're wanting these things to communicate back. And what's interesting about it is, the devil loves that playground. Loves it. When you want truth no one else has, when you want the secret inside track that no one else is privy to, when your desire in your heart is to have some special means of communicating with things that you think are going on, the devil loves that playground. And I think it's becoming evident that he's been playing there for quite some time. And Christians, it would help us to think about this whole thing so that we can actually not only defend against it, that's the least of my concerns. The most of my concerns is that there are people that are falling prey to this left and right. So that's where we should be concerned, the spiritual aspect that's going on around it. There are new faiths that are built upon UFO mysteries, and they elevate the unexplained to a religious level. That triggers, I think, for us a biblical mandate to examine the occult and the religious tendencies of UFO religions and evaluate them. Now, again, it's wise, I think, to distinguish between sightings, things that are flying around in the sky, and UFO-based religions. Most People who claim a UFO sighting never join a UFO religion. Some do, but most don't. Now, there are some people that create UFO religious beliefs without ever seeing a UFO. There's a lot of uh, cult leaders out there who have never actually had a legitimate experience, but are hoaxers seeking to lead a host of people astray thinking that they can have these kinds of experiences. And then others join 
these groups, which I think are a lot of the people that fall prey to it, out of a dire spiritual need or curiosity. So in other words, there, there are people whose desire, really, is to be communicated with by the spiritual realm. I've actually, let's take this outside the realm of UFOs. This is not, this is not simply a UFO thing, okay? Or a UFO cult type thing. Um, I think this has a lot of connection to things like um, spiritual gifts, uh, the demonstration of the Spirit. So, you know, we, we can talk all day about, you know, uh, what kind of languages and things like that people speak, speaking in tongues and things like that. And that's a topic for another day. But in my experience, a lot of the people, Christians, I mean, who are desiring things like spiritual gifts, speaking in ecstatic utterances and tongues and things like that, when you talk to them, there's normally a lot of other things going on in their life. Spiritual struggle and strife. And the desire for those kinds of gifts to be demonstrated to them is really a desire to be thought of by the Lord as special, to be loved, to know that they're being loved by God, to, to feel closer to God than they feel. And what you find is that when you talk to people, this is actually common to most humans, is a desire to be loved by their Creator. And that desire can be sinfully perverted and can be preyed upon by the devil himself. And to give people that, that feeling that they are special and that they're being loved by God, they're being cared for, they're being pulled in, they're being drawn close, and that they have something that's of value. And what they don't realize is that in the Christian gospel, you are made in the image of God. That He does love you. And He sent His Son to die for you. There is no more love than he, that He can show than that. And people often, in a, in a desperate need to, to feel some deeper sense of connection to God, will reach out to a host of other things. So it shouldn't strike us as weird that people will do this, too, because they do. Does that make sense? We tracking? Yeah, okay. Um, during the last few decades, several smaller religions have developed that center on UFOs and contact with the occupants of these objects, or UAPs, if you want to call them that. Um, believers claimed contact with intergalactic beings they thought existed on Venus or Mars. Now, uh, I'm fighting the, the, you know, desire to make a joke and things like that. I, I get it, because it sounds crazy to us, right? I mean, let's just be honest. As we sit here and we look at that, we're like, really? You're communicating with people on Venus and Mars? Like, come on. But you'll see this if you just pay attention to the kind of whether it be online chatter or whatever, um, around, we, we put uh, recently NASA and NASA and maybe SpaceX worked together to put a rover on Mars. Have you seen this? You watch the images coming back. I, I love this stuff. It's fascinating to watch this little robot crawl around Mars and take pictures of all these like just rocks and dust. And I, I mean, it's probably boring, but it's, it's, you know, it's amazing. You put a rocket on, or a, a little probe on Mars, and it's crawling around, and it's like take, scooping like dirt samples and analyzing them and taking pictures of all these things. But if you, even on the NASA, you know, website, they get the little comments over here and things like this, and like, people are grabbing pictures of rocks and using them as evidences for aliens that have actually been living there for a long time. Pointing out, do you see this little shape of this rock? And, it, and it's like, you know, it's, see, it's a, this is actually a statue, or this is the, you know, whatever. 
and you're like, bro, it's a rock. <laughs> like, it's not, it's, it's really simple. It's just a rock, you know. But no, it's, this is uh, underground tunnels. And all, all of it comes from this. All of it comes from this. It's been, for the last, whatever, 70 years of people that have been looking at these things flying in the sky and then seeking to communicate with them, following these sort of, whether they are hoaxers or whether they're really having some sort of hallucination and experience, whatever it is, they're following them, hook, line, and sinker, and, um, and kind of buying into this. Okay, now, I remember being, uh, I want to say, 13, 14 years old, and there was this group called Heaven's Gate. You remember this? Made, it was all over the news in the time, probably mid to late 90s is, is my guess, somewhere around there. Uh, and there was this man by the name of Marshall Applewhite. Super weird looking dude. Uh, I, didn't have a pi- I didn't get a picture of him. I should have put him up there because you'd have been like, whoa, uh, I wouldn't follow him to the grocery store. Um, but he founded this UFO cult called Heaven's Gate. And they seemed pretty innocuous at the time. I mean, it was like, you know, a bunch of people meeting out in California and they were you know, probably doing a lot of drugs and who knows what else, but seem fairly innocuous. They're kind of off by themselves. They're not really causing anybody harm, not doing any damage. Until one day, they rented a mansion in California and they all committed suicide. And they were all, I remember the images on the screen. I was horrified by them as, I don't know, I was probably a teenager at the time. And the cameras were like going through the rooms as the the people were there with like they were covered in with a bed sheet or whatever it was a comforter of some kind and out of the end of each of the little bed sheets were like them in their black nikes little white swoosh just all of them had the same shoe on they were just laying there in the bed like this haunting image of the group of people that whose desire was just to commit suicide together. And, and it was all around the time of the Hale-Bopp comet that appeared in the sky for the first time in I don't know how many thousands of years. It was somewhere behind Pluto or something. It was flying past Pluto. And that, that little comet uh, was their ticket out, apparently. And they committed mass suicide, and the phrasing that they used was that they wanted to shed their earthly container and get on board the spacecraft that was a comet out behind Pluto. That was the goal. Now, when you hear the term, we, we, maybe you haven't been here for all the sessions and things like that, but when you hear the term, shed their earthly container. What does that, as a Christian, what does it give you pause and what do you start to think? Anything? Okay. Shedding earthly container, goat, de- death, and be with Jesus. Did you have something, Timothy? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, if, uh, so there is a, um, yeah, th- there is a way of describing your human existence that is not Christian, and some Christians fall prey to it. And it's the idea that you are like a banana. The real you is inside the peel. The peel is your body. The soul is the real you, and it's on the inside. That is pagan. It's not Christian. You are human, and human means you are body and soul. It's what human means. Now, when you die, are you going to be body and soul when you die? Come on. No, you're not. 
Your body's going into the grave and it's going to rot. And it's going to rot until Jesus comes back. Hold on, hold on, get in there. Give me just a second. So, what happens to you? Are you just, is it like some prosperity gospel preachers believe? You just kind of go to sleep and you'll just stay there in kind of like a Dracula sort of state? You're just sleeping? Or what? What happens? What happens to you when you die? Body, we know, rots. Let's deal with the stuff, the other stuff. What happens to the soul? Come on. What's that? Okay, this is Paul, right? Paul says to be absent the body is to be present with the Lord. So, one, we have to say from that verse, there is, as Doug preempted here, there is a presence that you have with the Lord that is bodiless. Okay, are there any other clues from Scripture? Yes. So there's some, there's some indescribable container of a soul. Your soul, it's not like your body dies and your soul just sort of ekes out like a ooze and then just kind of spreads through the universe. I agree with that, okay? But what, what does that mean? Where do you go? What do you, what do you, Timothy says you go, you're out of the body, you're present with the Lord. Is there any other thing in scripture that kind of gives us, Doug says, the Mount of Transfiguration. We got Moses and Elijah that are there, right? They're recognizable to some degree. Um, they are, they have some sort of shape of personhood to them, but they are clearly absent the body, right? Okay. Okay, but hold off on that one just a second, because that one's coming just in just a minute. I'm getting there, Okay. Sure, okay, but just give me just a second before we get there. Okay, so, so out of the body, present with the Lord, your soul goes to be with the Lord. Uh, uh, Jesus, does he tell the thief on the cross, today you will sleep with me in the grave? No. What does he say to him? Today you will be with me in paradise. Wait. They took Jesus' body off the cross and they put it in the tomb. So does Jesus mean bodily you are today going to be with me in paradise? He does not mean that. He clearly means something else. And it's probably along the lines of what Paul means, along the lines of what we see with Moses and Elijah at the transfiguration, that he is going to die, his body is going to die there on the cross, but our soul is going to be, my soul and your soul is going to be together in paradise with the Lord, with God, for however long. It's going to be there. We see in Revelation 6, there are souls of those who are murdered for the testimony of the gospel that are crying out under the altar. There's a lot of images there, but surely it gets to the reality that there are souls present with the Lord post-death and pre-return of Christ. You tracking? Something happens to Jesus' body, though, three days after he dies. What is that? Jesus' body. So Jesus' body. Is, so something happened. So, so we're kind of cutting out all that. We're shortcut. <laughs> we're cutting past all that. Another topic for another day. It's a big, okay, thing. Um, so so Jesus' Jesus' soul is here with the Lord. Clearly, he says that with the thief on the cross and probably many others after he dies. But then three days later, something happens to this body. What is it? Okay, it's, it's, trans, it's resurrected. Not just transformed, it is resurrected. I mean, there's transformation that happens, sure, but, but it is resurrected. It is raised. It is, it is up. What about his soul? What is it? To the body, right? 
How's that work? I don't know. God does it. Okay? <laughs> I don't... You know, no, there's no switch that I know of that you could just do that. This is a God thing. God does this. Okay? Soul is with the Lord. He owns it. Body is in the dirt. He actually owns that too, which is why it raises from the dead. Soul comes back into body. Now, here, if you could... That is easy enough for a Christian to remember, to think about, right? It's, I mean, it's got its complexities, but it's easy enough. As we think about Jesus' death and his resurrection, we can see the stages that he goes through, right? He dies, his body goes into the grave, his soul goes to be with the Lord, he, his soul reunites with body, and he's resurrected from the dead. What Christians are saying is that same process is going to happen to the Christian, that's Paul's argument in 1 Corinthians 15. Is the same thing that happened to Christ is going to happen to you. You're going to die. Your body's going to go in the grave. Your soul's going to go with, be with the Lord. When Jesus returns, your body's going to raise from the dead. Your soul's going to be reunited, body and soul. And your, your body is going to be fit for eternity to never die again. To live with Christ forever. Now, I get it. That presentation of the resurrection of the dead to the outside world is weird. Maybe even to some Christians inside the church, it's weird. And so we're here going, can you believe this? Venus and Mars and blah, blah, earthly containers and all this, that's crazy. And other people outside the church are going, they're crazy. You're crazy too. Because this isn't a class on the intermediate state. <laughs> this isn't a class on the intermediate state. We don't get all the questions answered at once, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> My mind is racing with good. Uh, you know, so then we can have more building blocks. Um, <laughs> yes, M composed of the old house, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Now, if we get off on the intermediate state, which I, some of it's my fault, I get it, then we're not going to get to UFOs. Okay, so... Plato expanded the soul to the soul and spirit, and I don't know that the Bible's talking about that. That's okay. That's okay. We'll, we can talk about that at another time, and we will. I promise. My word to you is that we will get to intermediate state... In the, if we live long enough, we will get to the intermediate state uh, in a building block of some kind. So, but we need to go on. Okay. So, but you understand what they're getting at is the shedding of the earthly container is pagan. And it's an age-old belief. This is not, hey, we've discovered a new religion. There's UFOs out there. No. What they're describing about their quote-unquote new religion is ages old, and it says the inside is the real you, the outside is not the real you. It's the nasty earthly container. That's not only pagan, it's Gnostic. It's a Gnostic heresy that the church has been dealing with for 2,000 years. Now masquerading as UFOs. Interesting, isn't it, that the same heresies come up for 2,000 years. You'd think they'd have a new one at some point. But at the root, they're all the same. Because the devil is a finite individual, and he doesn't have any new tricks. They're all the same tricks. But they have clever skins on the outside to make you think, oh, I don't know, i got to learn all about this thing. No, you don't. You need to know what Christians believe. And if you know what Christians believe, you can dig around enough to figure out where these new, so-called new cults pop up, deviate from that. So, more commonly than any organized religious movement, this is what I'm more concerned about than anything else. And this is the reason it's really hard to teach, because there's so much about this that isn't just an organized movement. As you can see, 39 people commit suicide. I mean, what is that in comparison to the rest of the world? Not much. But more commonly than organized religious movements, 
those who communicate with UFOs or extraterrestrial beings have always delivered messages contrary to the Bible. This can be attributed in large part to the occult methods that they employ when they receive their messages. I'm going to go through a few of them that I want you to hear. And I want you to just hear some of the things that they're saying. The, invariably, when you hear these people that are abducted and they come back and they've said, you know, I've been abducted by aliens or something like that, and they start telling you about their encounters, just read, keep reading, and you'll hear some of these same things come up. I promise. It's, it's almost invariable. It comes up in all the reports. George Adamski was probably a hoax and kind of crazy guy, but, but he claimed to be abducted on a number of occasions by these race of Nordic aliens and he you know, put all these pictures, and they ended up in magazines before people knew you could fake photos and things like that, and I think he did a lot of that. But the message that he came back with is uh, that this you know, Nordic race of aliens wanted to bring a message to Earth people of, of peace. They wanted people to be peaceful. And uh, they said to him that other humans throughout history had also served as their messengers. Just peace. That's all we want, just, just, to be, just to be peaceful. Including Jesus Christ. Every, t I mean, it's probably 90-something percent of the reported alien abductions. You start reading into, as people interview them, and they, you'll hear a comment about Jesus at some point in their report. I, it's nearly invariable. And Jesus is just like, just like the rest of us, He's just, he was just a human, and he just he reported. He just wanted peace for everybody. And every human, they would say, has the light of God in them, and they simply need to remember who they are. That is Gnosticism warmed, up, warmed over. That's all it is. That is Gnosticism. That's a, a summation of the Gnostic heresy, is that. Another guy by the name of Billy Meyer. Go ahead. Right. It, it's, uh, it was aliens who preferred the Nordic countries. These, apparently, I, now I can't pretend to speak for this guy. I'm just, here's what I'm going to say. What I gathered from what he was saying by the term Nordic aliens is they were aliens who came and located in the Nordic countries and spoke to Nordic people and spoke the Nordic language. Perfect sense? All right. Vicky says it makes perfect sense. We're moving on. Okay. It does because the British language is 100 years old and they're aliens. They're aliens. Aliens. And uh, at some point between establishing the pyramids in Egypt and whatever, they, they located the Nordic creatures. Okay. Billy Meyer who founded a UFO religion based on claims of ongoing contact with extraterrestrial beings, he communicated with them through the occult practice of telepathy, which is using your mind to communicate with them. I guess you can come up with all kinds of things. During his encounters, the alien that went by the name of Simyaze, uh, or Simjaze maybe, but I think Simyaze was the pronunciation, informed him that the actual flesh and blood human being known as Jesus Christ has, in fact, neither lived nor existed, not on earth nor in any other location throughout the universe, the entire universe. Why would that be necessary for him to communicate that? What's that? Yeah. Now, why? It, it, Yeah. You know, you know, Buddhism might not have any problem with somebody being a, another Buddha. Or Hinduism might not have any problem with somebody being an, another messenger or even another god. We've got thousands already, whatever. But there is a point that they make to undermine the work that Christ has done. To make him merely human and not supernatural. Or, some cases to make him one of us super beings 
communicating to you lower earthly things. Either way, they're perverting the Christian doctrine. Either way, they're perverting Christian doctrine. And if you dig far enough, you'll find in almost every case. There are growing accounts of alien abductions that follow drug use and seances in order to communicate with these beings things like ayahuasca and uh, LSD and other hallucinogens need to be taken and seances need to be performed so that these beings will come and communicate with you. And you find that the people who are quote-unquote abducted have really had some kind of experience. Do you want to call that alien abduction? I don't, but what it is clearly is some kind of experience where they come back and communicate messages quote-unquote from beyond. But what you find as you dig down deeper, the messages that they want to communicate to other people are simply this. You are a chosen one. You who were abducted are a chosen one, much like Jesus was. You have the light of God within you. You are the one choosing to carry our message to humanity. They're merely recycled Gnostic heresies that present us as the Savior of ourselves. So whether they make a comment about Jesus or not, just listen, and you will hear the message of salvation outside of Christ. That's the point. Message of salvation outside of Jesus. Anytime you engage... Any heresy, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's UFOs. I don't care if it's you know, Mormonism or, or Jehovah's Witness or, or Scientology or whatever else we've talked about or will talk about. You're digging for salvation outside of Christ. Everybody is longing for it. Everybody wants salvation. No one wants to come to Christ to have it except Christians. Your job as a Christian is not to necessarily know all the ins and outs of every occultic practice or religion, but simply to reaffirm salvation can only be had in Christ. That's it. You're looking for salvation. You're not going to find it except in Christ. Um, so then, right, right. Um, so then the, then the question, if this is extraterrestrial, this is the last question, two things. Oh man, now you got the other answer. Uh, if this is extraterrestrial, let's say that Steven Spielberg movie all of a sudden, and if this is extraterrestrial, does the Christian worldview account for it? How, how do we understand that? Well, I think it's first we have to understand that that God is God of the entire cosmos. All of the created order. And that's all things. So wherever we go, whether we go to the furthest reaches of space or next door, we're going to find things that are object of his crea- object, objects of His creation. Right? There's nothing outside of His creation. And we also have to acknowledge... He didn't tell us everything that he created. There's lots of things at the bottom of the sea we've never seen before. Who knows what those things are? I don't want to go find out. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> There's some scary things as you get down past the past light uh, down there that we've never seen before and that exist for the glory of God alone. He knows about, and you may never. Which is kind of interesting to think about, isn't it? But it's all part of his creation. So if, potentially, there were some beings out there, somewhere, that existed, they would also be part of his creation. So there's nothing inherent about another being that would make it outside of the Christian worldview. We would say that thing is created too, whatever that is. What could they have Angels <laughs> Right. Right. Angels exist outside of the plan of redemption. We would say this, that is not human, also exists outside of the plan of redemption. Yeah. The Big Hat Theory. Yeah. Right. Correct. Right. So, 
these things would be outside of the plan of redemption. Humanity has fallen. Christ became human. He lived as a human. He fulfilled human obligations. He saved humanity. This would be outside of that plan of salvation, much like an angel would be outside of that plan of salvation, or a fish, for that matter. Hold on, Doug. It's 10.15. got to go. Hold on. Just, <laughs> let me get to questions in just a second. Let me at least finish the last bullet point, and then I'll ask the question. Okay. <laughs> second, you also have to remember that the Christian worldview affirms beings from other dimensions who come in contact with humanity and attempt to alter, diminish, or otherwise undermine the Word of God. Now, here's where it gets weird. I'm going to end it with this, okay? I want you to just think about this. We can talk about this at another time if you want to. You look at the, the aliens in the sky, and if I said to you, what if, what if, the appearance, authentic appearance, some of these things in the sky, maybe, let's say, were demonic in nature. Okay? Some of you might say, come on, really? Flying demons? That's what I'm supposed to believe? Okay, maybe. But if we were to go back into the pages of Scripture and we were to look at Genesis chapter 3, into the garden creeps a serpent possessed by Satan himself. We have a category for that. We have a category for the appearance of wisdom coming from another, we'll call it another dimension, whatever you want to call that, that comes to undermine the Word of God. And as I see people that are engaging, quote-unquote, with these kinds of things through drug use and seances and all kinds of other things and undermine the Word of God with their message, even if they are fooling everybody. They're saying, oh, I had this alien abduction and I didn't really, but they're coming back. What message are they coming back with? It's not the Christian gospel. So then, even the hoaxing and the, and the spoofs and the whatever, all of it, is in the category of demonic. All of it is in the category of the occult. Why? Not because there's an actual demon that this person has actually physically talked to and come in contact with. But behind all of that hoaxing and spoofing and all the kinds of stuff there is demonic doctrine whose goal is to undermine the Word of God in the name of truth and wisdom. Tracking? So it's all the, it's all the same, and, and as we think about these kinds of things as Christians, it's important to process it through that lens. You go, what is it that I'm really dealing with? Doug, ask your question real quick so I can okay. dismiss everybody. So, so uh, the conflict is in hearts. Um, we can't we don't need to be out Sure. Right. Well, it's conceivable because you just conceived it, right? So, I mean, it's conceivable. The answer is yes. It's got to be. Sure. But the, but, the, the, but the one that you're, the thing you're posing is, is it conceivable? The answer is yes, it's conceivable because we can conceive of it. But... But when it comes to those kinds of things, it's unfalsifiable. It's total speculation. And there's, there's no way that I could say yes or no. Because one is saying, is it conceivable? Well, the answer is yes, because we've just thought about it. But, but then what can we say about it? Nothing. We can't say anything about it because it's never been told to us right. at so all. It's a thought experiment. Right. So is, is it possible within the Christian worldview that there could be another civilization that's really not even human, but something else? Not within the Christian worldview, because the Christian worldview says Christ became human and died for Christians. Now, now, is it is it possible in some other worldview and accounting for something that we don't know? Well, I mean, I suppose, and more than like a three, more than like a four-sided triangle.
Yeah, but what you just said, that that you just said, it's beyond the capacity for us to understand, is actually given to us in Scripture. The other stuff is so speculative that we can't... Right, right. Let's pause it right there. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it another time. Let me let me let me pray and let's and then when everybody says, "Hey, what took you so long?" say we were talking about aliens. Just leave us alone. Uh, Heavenly Father, we are grateful uh, for our time together and uh, grateful for Inquisition and just thought. And uh, it might be hard. It may be even sometimes strange to wrestle with and think through. But we pray that uh, at least some of the things that we're wrestling with would begin to seep into our hearts and we would begin to understand. Um, how we must think through what we really believe and how we must prepare ourselves to give an account for the hope that is within us, taking every thought that would be outside of Christ captive to the Word of God. So I pray that you would give us help in doing that as we wrestle and that that would be our goal ever and always. Um, More than even just exploring all these other different uh, thoughts about um, salvation outside of Christ, that we would not do that for academic purposes, but really to, to build up our own resolve for what we believe about Christ and what he has done and how we can find salvation in Christ alone. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you live in the Tuscaloosa area and are looking for a church, we'd love for you to visit. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday nights at 615.